Welcome to the Planted Mindset Podcast. I'm joined by my guest, Mark Reed. He is a business mentor, health coach, and energy healer who connects families to themselves and each other so that they can live a life of freedom, deep connection, and ultimate fulfillment. He's been lucky to work with some of the greatest educators in the world, such as Tony Robbins, Dr. John D. Martini, and Dr. Joe Dispenza, to name but a few. Through his trusted soul healing, Mark makes spirituality practical and accessible to all, so every person can accept their true self and fulfill their potential. I'm really excited to be recording this episode. Can't wait. One. Hi, Mark. I'm super delighted to have you on the Planted Mindset podcast today. Um, I know that this is going to be a valuable episode for everyone to listen to. Um, so could you tell um, uh, people a little bit more about yourself? Of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me, first and foremost. So always start with the disclaimer when they hear the voice, Scottish. So hopefully... Um, you might need to pull me back when I get excited I speed up a little bit the accent becomes more Glaswegian and yeah we need to make it a bit more English friendly so yeah I'm originally from Scotland I'm back here just now though um, after having like eight years abroad ex-school teacher I worked in a behavioral school in Glasgow and then moved to Qatar for two years in Doha um, I was teaching out there uh playing a kind of half-decent level of football. I was DJing Gordon Ramsay's restaurant, doing personal training. Um, what else was I doing out there? I think that was that. Running my own boat parties as well. Uh, that was all things that I did in the UK. And after um, just having enough of the education system, which I never really wanted to get in the first place, but I'm sure we'll get to that. I decided enough was enough. I'd went halfway across the world and I didn't want to go back. So we went the full way across the world and went to Australia. So we were in Perth for five and a half years. Um, I went fully into personal training, never fully solely from the physical. I always had a real keen interest in nutrition and mindset <laughs> and psychology and the brain and everything just fascinated me. And through going through like really traumatic but character shaping life events led me down the field of neuroscience quantum physics epigenetics self-healing um metaphysics classical physics all the stuff that well we don't get taught that at school but the sciences i hated at school but now because i wasn't in the system and i was through not being told this is what you need to know but experiential wow this is what i'm inspired to learn everything just started to make sense. So I was in Perth for like five and a half years. I had my own gym at one point. I sold it. I, was, I ran holistic retreats in Bali and um, three hours south of Perth in Western Australia. Did um, seminars, workshops, um, male and female, different dynamics, um, specializing in the goddess getaway, masterclass of the Titans. And then... Went through a divorce and never really felt at home anymore. So I moved across to the Eastern States, had a few months in the Sunshine Coast, had four meditations back to back to back to back saying, go home. I was hoping it meant Perth, but the visions were getting more vivid every day. And that was Scotland. And I resisted it and it got louder. And then I realized every time I haven't listened to that intuitive voice in my life, I pay the payments. So I sold all my shit. Sorry, I'm allowed to swear. No, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, sold all my shit and flew my dog home 
And um, I was actually doing my master energy healing course in Brisbane. So he actually arrived in Scotland before me. So I flew him back, my, my pet Chow Chow. I've had him since he was a puppy, so there was no way I was leaving him behind. So he arrived in Scotland and then I arrived here on May the 4th, 2019, with a view just to be here to like my birthday time in October. And then as that was getting close, I went, oh, may as well stay here for Christmas. I'll leave end of June, start of Feb. Corona had other plans and here we are, I'm still here. So the business had been online from like 2018 and it's been refined as of when and it's still still running here. And it's now took the form of what's called Trusted Soul Healing to help basically families reconnect. But anytime we want to have a relationship with another, it's always a reflection of how healthy their relationship is with self and we can get over any limited beliefs, any deepest dominant thought, any core wounds that we turn up with in this incarnation and really master the seven areas of life that we're here to master and live life fun, free and filled, fulfilled, doing the things we love with the people that we love the most. It's just our six inches real estate between our ears that sometimes convinces us otherwise. So that's, um, that's pretty much who I am and what I do and what's been current the past couple of years. So I'm hoping to get on my travels again very soon. Uh, yeah well hopefully uh, the world will open up uh, you know obviously the 21st of June is the d-date so to speak isn't it but um, obviously there was a reason and listening to that intuitive voice obviously you wouldn't be here now on this podcast so yes you would because Clubhouse is global so that's <laughs> obviously how we came to come across our paths met um, but all of the things that you've said there actually resonated with me I've come into the fitness industry from a point of view of a uh, starting with the, the person you've been lucky enough to meet uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza mm -hmm. and that was the first uh, sort of tap into the power of the mind um, that's what I started working with mindset first uh, because I was running and I was training for a marathon well eventually got to the point training for a marathon and it all starts with the mindset and then from the mindset and the running and shifting that belief or trying to that's yep. what then evolved into going into fitness and personal training all the things that you're saying nutrition epigenetics all of that mindset <laughs> absolutely just oh my god you're just yeah i'll get so excited so um you you talk about obviously the four d's of disease depression divorce and debt and obviously mm. we, we've all at least suffered or struggled with one of those um, yep. that stops us being our best self so what do you think is a contributory action that we are subconsciously doing to land us in one of these situations the unworthy epidemic uh sorry the unworthy epidemic so uh, i've said right. that for years actually since i was a personal trainer i actually used to piss the australian institute of fitness off because i remember they had a thing called a, a fire night it was on i don't know it was weird that they called it a fire night and it was always on the 5th of november but it had nothing to do with guy fox they never even knew oh. what that was when i told them and f it must have been an acronym for something fitness intelligence i don't know real estate i don't know anyway i was invited to speak there and it was um and i'm being playful here i'm not judging anyone we've all got our own path but it was just full of the stereotypical big wall-punching personal trainers that need indicators to turn. They're just all lats and traps <laughs> and eating out of microwavable bowls of rice and rice. broccoli and fish. And yeah, yeah, how much can you bench, bro? All that talk. And I'm just thinking, 
what the fuck is going on here, man? Like, as long and and I just watched them all size each other up. It was just like an assembly line of insecurities. And I was the last person to speak, and I thought I was a decent size back then. It was maybe about ninety-five kilograms, about six, seven percent body fat. But it was never the goal. I just moved how I like to move. I loved Muay Thai and boxing. Hated running, but I playing football, I had to sprint and run. So I just did the things that I loved and I kind of just played with movement and what I believe the nine functional movements of life are. So I just enjoyed myself, but I wasn't as big as these guys. So I was the last one to speak. And I just said, listen, I'm going to take this on a different path, guys, if that's okay. Um, 82% of you people here graduating as personal trainers are going to be in Bunnings, which is the Australian equivalent of B&Q. I mean, you guys are going to be in Bunnings in 18 months from now because that's the statistics. Mm. I said, and the the guys that are pushing you through your certification in six weeks don't tell you that. Mm. So you'll do what is known as what I call the triangle of disservice because you don't even know who you want to help yet. And I'll say, who do you want to help? And you'll say, oh, everybody. No, you don't. You don't want the client that doesn't pay you, that doesn't turn up in time, that turns up for three weeks and then ghosts you for five you don't want to work with anyone. You want to work with someone specific because when you try and help everybody, you end up helping nobody and then you settle to help anybody and then you'll get res- then you'll get resentful and you'll leave. And we need people like you because there's this, what they call an obesity epidemic out there. But instead of stopping poisoning our foods and our water supplies and our air, that would eat into the profit. So they have to be seen to be doing something in the physical level. So they're throwing personal trainers at the problem, but they aren't teaching you with the systems to sustain a business. I said, if you want to know the system, how I was able to come into a country that I've never even visited before and within 10 months reach the six-figure mark, come and speak to me and I'll show you how because I want to get as many of us striving as possible. I don't want to tell you what my personal best, best is at bench press. That doesn't impress anyone. Come in and, and let me see if I can help you. And I just sat down and all I, they were just thinking, who the fuck is this little guy? They were, <laughs> I was not impressed, but I'm going, no, I'm not having these people slave to the system. So they came over and I said, listen, they're throwing it at the obesity epidemic. I said, but what you feed your mind and body in private, you wear in public. I said, so it's easy to say, are you doing your macros and all that PT jargon? I said, but the reason for someone emotionally eating or overeating, and it may just be genetics, obviously epigenetics, we know that that's not a, a thing to hide behind anymore, but they, they might not know any better. Or it, it, it may be coming from hormonal imbalance or it may be coming from trauma. We don't know what these people have seen. I said, so it's an unworthiness epidemic and it's a tool for the most part to self-sabotage. So I know I'm going around the houses to answer your question here, but for me, it's the obesity epidemic and I've spoken about this for, for years, but if I'm really honest, part of it was my ego to ruffle some feathers because I don't like systemization. So I was like, I'm just going to come in at an opposite end and throw a few home truths in here. And it was kind of to give me significance if I'm, if I'm honest, as a byproduct, but my intentions were pure. As I've kind of developed myself and developed my business and developed my tact, because I do, connection is one of my top values, you you refine your bedside manner and you, you speak more from, from heart rather than head. And I do believe the, the unworthiness epidemic still reigns supreme. And we all have that. 
and it comes from our early childhood experiences for the most part, at least. I mean, how, how deep do you want me to go here? Well, I've got um, one of the, the questions that I wanted to ask about that, it, it, which sort of rolls into it. So absolutely, you'll continue. But it's about that. Um, so obviously, and that I'm one of the epidemic is that we all actually want to be accepted and loved for who we are. But as you say, uh, past trauma uh, can hold us back. So it's under, you know, like, how do we know what our trigger was? Um how do we find it and how do we then sort of solve it? But that will continue with what you were just saying. Yeah. So you can weave that in. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic question. And it's it's one, I mean, it's multifaceted and there's there's like a, a formula and a pattern and it's, it's factual. But within that, the subjectiveness is obviously dependent on the individual. But basically, between the years of zero and eight years old, you are developing your ego persona. You are developing the subconscious mind. We are very hypnagogic, young, sentient beings where we're just shaped by our environment, our primary caregivers, mum, dad, grand, grandpa, siblings, uh, priests, pastors, teachers, whoever it may be, friends of the family, aunts and uncle. We just are sponges for everything coming into our environment. For the first two years, we're typically in... Delta brainwave, which is what we get at night when we go to sleep. It's why young babies are just sleeping for the vast majority of the time. They're just basically koala bears until they're two. And then from two to seven and eight, we're predominantly in theta brainwave. And between zero and eight, 85% of the, the neural pathways in the brain are, are hardwired shut. And old neuroscience was between the ages of eight and 35. So basically the 27 years subsequent is just your past basically folded in on top of itself because you've constructed 85% of your reality by the time you're eight years old and your subconscious mind. They thought back in the day, by the time they're 35, that's it, completely hardwired shut. So how I used to describe it for, for anyone who's just listening in here is imagine like two castles facing each other with two drawbridges coming down and your subconscious mind is the moat that runs underneath and you can't access it if the bridges then land on top of each other. That's what the old science used to be like, locked down by the time you're 35. So it was kind of like, that's it. And when you watch like your parents or your grandparents or aunts or uncles of, of the old school, you'll hear catchphrases like, well, that's just the way I am. And it's a cop-out for, I don't want to change. But really what they're saying, if we hear them at a human level, is they don't know how because they became so conditioned to doing that. And it's based in fear because we learn very early on not to trust ourselves because we want the guidance, we want the safety, we want the security of mum, dad, whoever the primary caregiver was. We want to be seen, held, heard, feel safe, understood, loved, appreciated, respected, encouraged. These are all just primary needs of the inner child. And if you look in your relationship, these are all things that you want your partner to bring out of you. Yet we have this inner child traumatic expectancy of us as adults where we expect our partner to do that for us. If we, if we say that in a conscious conversation, we go, oh, of course we don't. But if you look at your emotional reaction when you don't get it from your partner, you can see your inner child wins. So we're basically all children in adult bodies. So by the time we're, we're eight, 85% is there. Now, obviously, the neuroscience has, has developed and neuroplasticity just shows that obviously we can change our reality by changing our thought at any given time. Like Higgs law, like thoughts that 
the, the neurons that fire together wire together, fire but together. neurons that no longer fire together, no longer wire together. So there's Dr. Joe 101 there. So yeah. basically, if you don't, <laughs> how I always picture it is like the scene from the karate kid when he's trimming the bonsai tree. That's It's actually quite accurate um, picture of what the synaptic connections in the brain look like. So when you start trimming away at the ones that no longer serve, you're actually creating new neural nets, new neural pathways for the transmitters and the glial cells and everything to start to communicate, which then has um, a, a compounding effect in the body. So basically, a lot what I see in a lot of people is this kind of new age spirituality, the pseudo-spirituality where we're, we're doing all the things, we're, we're wearing the crystal beads, it's been blessed from Glastonbury, we're drinking the holy water from Lourdes, we're, we're sitting on our acupuncture mat and our, our yoga pants and we're saying our mantras and then we're going on Facebook to tell everyone about it and then we walk into the kitchen and the kids spilt cornflakes over the floor and we're like, for fuck's sake, and then we're just back. <laughs> no, nothing's changed, right? So you've just given yourself like a 60-minute a holiday of, oh, love and light, and there's the darkness to even it back out. So we need to really get real that, it's light and dark. For as long as we're trying to run around wanting one-sided coins, we're never going to be abundant. And 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 I don't mean wealth. I mean like health, love, life. So we need to embrace both sides. We need to realize that everything to, to positive thinking and plus, plus, plus and love and light, it's one-sidedness. It's fantastical. It's not, it's not real. That's not to say never enjoy anything because what's the point if there's a negative there? It's just that love, this is a quote from one of my teachers, John D. Martini, he says, love, true love, divine love is the synergy of complementary opposites. So love knows it's both kind and cruel, high and low, positive and negative, happy and sad. So you can be pissed off at your kid for spilling the cornflakes, but you don't not love them. You're just having an emotional experience and this is the human journey. Because when we come from the zero point field of source energy, basically that's just the highest frequency. You think of your, your gamma wave patterns, everything's just vibrating at a whole other level where it's just light. That's the enlightened path, shall we say. Everything comes from that source energy, but as it breaks down, it slows down in vibration. Then it got to this thing called the Big Bang. So obviously anything beyond the speed of sound, the speed of light then starts to become fractured and polarized and it goes into two parts. So anything beyond the speed of, of light, we can see with our senses. So that's now our sensory 3D reality where we put our hand in the flame and we go, oh my God, that's roasting. As soon as we put it a little bit, there's also, it's also cool at the same time. But as humans, we can only experience one-sidedness through our emotions. The, the trick is to shorten the refractory period where we're reacting to triggers in our environment, whether that's our partner, our kids, our boss, ourselves, and realize and, and there's the other side and bring ourselves back into that state of equanimity. So the first step is, is awareness. It's just realizing that we have this thing called the, the subconscious mind or the body mind. So the, the, the one hour mantra meditation, miracle morning that I was talking about there, but then getting pissed off then nothing's get past the brainstem. Nothing's made its way into the body to be embodied. As you say, EM body, emotional, mental body. So emotional, mental, physical, you need to be, do, have. You need to have all three in alignment. And then when you don't, it's not to get pissed off about it, it's to go, ah, shit, 
not so long ago, I wouldn't even have been aware that I was unaware. Now that I am, I can act differently. So the key is once you come out of the meditation and the kids spill the thing where you don't react, boom, now we're healing. Now we're growing because now we're choosing a different response. So it just comes with practice. I'm not poking fun at these people because I've, I've done that. I've went, went and all the, I've, I've paid half a Rwanda's deficit on personal development, learned for all the inverted commas gurus. And you get to this kind of point where you think, right, that's it. I'm fixed now. I've, I've, done, I've done the course. I've learned for Tony Robbins. I've met Joe Dispenza. No, it's the daily turning up just as you are. That they, the, in the energy centers, in the kind of ancient Eastern philosophies, we, we know is the, the chakra, energy centers of the body, the anahata, the green chakra, heart chakra, that is all about acceptance and it's accepting both sides. So for as long as we reject the negative and the dark parts of ourself, or as the godfather of psychology, Carol Jung, calls the shadow self, for as long as we try and bury that, that's the part we don't want Facebook to see because we won't get likes. But when you can own that in yourself, you are a whole being. So the first step, before we can get to acceptance, the first step is awareness. And here's the kicker. Typically, that comes in the form of a breakdown of some sort, whether that's a heartbreak, breaking up with a partner, an injury, an illness, a disease, death of a loved one, something that's going to wake us up to then give us a complete awareness of the other side. That may involve going into the depths of guilt and shame and grief and self-loathing and self-undoing at some point. But eventually, we we have enough of ourselves, and we have what's called the awakening. And the awakening is never sitting with the prayer beads in lotus position in the top of the Himalayas going, ah, it's <laughs> getting rabbit punched around the back of the head and think, oh my God, what's happening to me? And just on your knees, basically thinking, is this it? And that's usually the point that we so see. It comes not. from pain, really. So from I'd, pain, I, we... Yeah, not. I think so. I think so. I always say to people, your, your mess is your message. Your greatest pain is, in fact, your, your purpose in life. And I get so many people coming to me that are heartbroken, think, I've got no purpose. Of course you have. Like No human, no living organism annihilates its reason for being. So the peace protests, they don't war not... They don't want war not to exist because we know war, there's no peace. They, they're, they're completely dependent on each other. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the healthcare system needs sick people. Mm-hmm. Like we won't go into that too much because that's too much of a head for people, but a living organism is never going to annihilate its reason for being. And every single, if you are alive here and now, you have a purpose in life. The problem is, especially with social media, we, we have this chronic imposter syndrome where we're constantly in comparison mode with someone else so as long as you're judging your vision for life based on another's and their vision is based in their subjective values and no two people's value systems are the same they're completely retinal pattern specific snowflake specific fingerprint specific typically though in in the cosmos you will find an equal and opposite and you'll typically marry them. <laughs> and that's that's the dance because the whole happily ever after marriage doesn't exist. They're there to trigger the shit out of you so that you love it in yourself. Everything you're not, they are, and everything they're not, you are. And when you can accept self, you will be more accepting of other people. And kids are the big one. And we touched on that in Clubhouse. 
when your kids, the things that you either publicly or privately get pissed off about your kids and you've got to love it in them, the little fuckers, they're here by design for that because they're mirroring back the part of yourself that you haven't yet loved. So it's you've, you've got to love it in them because they're your kids. Yeah. But you're thinking, you're little shit. But then when you, you look at it, you go, wow, I actually do that. So if you can they love it. They don't know with a point in the finger, like one finger point at someone, mm. the thumb's pointing back, three fingers yeah. pointing back or something. And it's that, you know, because that's quite a bitter pill to swallow of, of reality check to go, oh, shit. You know, like, oh, I need to work on something. So obviously awareness and then acceptance. That's all very well, but it's been buried for like, yeah. know, however many years. How do you unearth that or, or get the drawbridge up? Start with what you know and let what you know grow. So when you know that something's not quite right, humble yourself to research who, it, look, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I, I saw this earlier in... Um, What's his name? The guy, the bulletproof guy, Dave Asprey. So on his podcast, he had a guy in there and he called it the 1840-60 rule, <laughs> which was when you're 18, you worry about what everyone thinks about you. When you're 40, you don't give a shit about what anyone thinks about you. And when you're 60, you realize no one has been thinking about you the whole time. They've been too busy. <laughs> they've been too busy focused on themselves. So I think when we actually realize that people are so caught up in their own stuff, we could give ourselves a break from fear and judgment of someone else. So when, when we can humble ourselves to realize that I cannot be the only person that's went through this and look at what else is out there and reach out and have a mentor and, and be accountable. Like one of my first mentors, he said to me, never, because I was the chronic fixer. So it's, it's a very male trait and, and you'll get that as a, a woman, you'll hate it. You'll just be confiding what the issue is. We'll hear words, formulate it into a plan relate the solution back to you and you go, what are you doing? I never asked for that. Just listen. Yeah, but you're, you're saying that woman at work's been a bit of a bitch, right? Just you tell her this the next time. You go, I know that. I don't need you to tell me. You go, and guys are going, what the hell are you complaining about then? Because we're very solution-based where women are just want to connect. They just want to flow and, and be. So I, I was the fixer for years. And uh, I did it in business. I did it. I did it in all aspects of my life, but business especially, I really took it personal when clients weren't turning up and I'm thinking, what am I doing? What am I not doing? What can I do more of? How can I be? And it came from my wounds of unworthiness, not being enough. And I said to my mentor, I said, like, I, I can't do anything more for these people other than lift the fucking weight for them, man. I was like, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> and he said, um, Never rob, uh, powerful, never forget this. He said, never rob anyone of the four noble truths, which is creativity, productivity, responsibility, and accountability. He says, your job as a coach is to keep them accountable. It's their responsibility to turn up and do it. He says, when they don't do it, he says, and you're not trying to drag the horse to the water, they need to come up with means of being creative so they can go and be productive. He says, so when your kid falls off its, off their BMX, when they take the stabilizers off, you don't jump in the bike and ride it for them because they don't get the glory. You've got to hold space and support them. Allow them to be creative. Allow them to think, right, that never worked. What can I do different the next time? And that slapped me right in the face. I'm thinking, shit. Because if we take away 
and, and you'll get this as a parent. If you, it's a, it's a natural thing as a human, I think, that we don't want other people to go through what we've went through if we can help. But when you can get to a point when you realize nothing is missing and everything in the divine order is there to awaken the immortal nature of your soul, why would you want to rob someone of their, if you take away their pain, you take away their pleasure, you take away their glory, you take away their resilience, you take away their purposefulness, their resourcefulness, their discipline, their determination, their strength, their wisdom. Because we don't learn through comfort, we learn through our feelings. It's the falling off the bike that taught us how to ride the bike, but it's the courage to get back in the saddle that makes us who, who we are. So that really hit home to me and I'm thinking, wow, man, if I do everything for them, they've got nothing less to, to do. And if they've got nothing to do, they'll never grow. So I'm actually robbing them of their growth. So what I did was, it was a pivotal point in my life. I took a step back and I raised my prices and I started because my self-worth went up, my net worth followed. So I get more high ticket clients that only needed me once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. And the people that invest more are typically more invested because they want a return. So you don't need to be banging the drum. Hey, just to check in, double, triple, quadruple check that you're going to make your session tomorrow. <laughs> they're, they're going. They've paid you 10 grand. They're turning up. Yeah. So it was a really pivotal moment. I'll never, ever forget that. So I think it's the accountability is the big thing. We're there to hold space because as humans, if, if the last 12, 14 months has taught us anything, we thrive in community. We're sentient, primal, tribal beings. We, we're here in some level, I think we all want the same thing. The value systems are different, but we want to connect and we want to contribute. We want to get together and we want to give back in some capacity. So for me, when you allow people just that space to kind of go out and explore and see, right, what else is out there? How, how can I be creative with this? How can I ensure that I'm responsible and I turn up? How can I make sure that I'm productive with the knowledge that I'm getting and I implement it to make sure it's experiential and, and turns into wisdom? But the same token, how can I humble myself that I need that accountability? Because if you didn't, you'd be doing it already. And that's exactly. just, and that's the brutal truth. Yeah, no, I mean, that's very powerful. And I, yeah, I, I like the way that you've explained it. I mean, there's so many uh, knowledge bombs there and quotes of, of as you said, from some great uh, mentors. Mm. Um, yeah, John D. Martini as well. So I, you know, obviously, as you said, the, the dark, and dark and the light, you've overcome um, quite a lot of things yourself, haven't you? Um, mm. Naturally, that's sort of... Um, exemplified or or, or uh, yeah, what the word is the, for what you do for others because you have that understanding so would you say that you as, as awful as they would be were they necessary for you to be able to understand and oh, with your clients 100 percent, 100 percent. um and i think the thing that people need to know here is that it's ongoing i cried <laughs> in fact it was interesting it was was there really a cry it was just like a a wail with nothing coming out yesterday it was just <laughs> just and it was um it was to do with cellular memories coming up that I, it took me all day to under i was like what the hell is wrong with you and then facebook reminded me it's got its place at times that in 2016 the 2nd of March was the day that I went for a biopsy for my, my what turned out to be a sarcoma on my solar plexus. So I remember the apprehension before I was going and I knew it was something cynical. 
and my mum's birthday's today. It's the third. So I was like eight hours ahead of the UK in Perth at the time, uh, other side of the world. And I just knew I was going to have to relay some bad information. And I'm thinking, just overwhelmed with guilt. I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to tell my mum this? And um, it took me all day to kind of realise that. So it was like a purging from a deep cellular part. So the, this is where I believe mental health is just one one aspect. I mean, the, the heart is more powerful than the brain. And the heart's got its own neurons and things in there. The, the gut, even more so again. Um, there's, there's more bacteria in the gut than there is trillions of cells in the body. So we need to, I call it the heart, the head and heavens. When you get those three H's in alignment, you don't need to live in a physical hell anymore. But for the most part, all we're concerned about is this physical material world. So everything has its place. Everything is there for the greatest part. And even when I got the news, I think, I'm sure it was the 6th of March before we got the results. So the, the biopsy was, he just wanted to remove it. Four days later, they told me, yeah, it's, it's a sarcoma. And then they wanted to cut me, like, uh, I don't know if you can see that there, there's a little scar, but they wanted to right. cut me all the way right round here. And um, my lymph nodes were obviously popped up in my groin because something's not quite right. Mm -hmm. And his exact words were, without looking at me, was, I don't care <laughs> what the MRI says. We're going to remove the fascia. I'm probably going to have to take some of the rectus abdominis muscle away. And I see your lymph nodes have popped up, so there's probably a high chance it's in your lymphatic system, so we'll take them out as well. All whilst not even looking at me from his desk. And I just stood up and I went, thank you very much. And I shook his hand. And he, then he looked at me because his ego was getting stroke. And he said, oh, I haven't done anything yet. And I went, nor will you. And he went, I'm confused. I said, I think you are, mate. I says, let me give you a crash course in Scottish men, shall I? I went, <laughs> you don't care what the MRI says was your quote whilst not looking at me. I said, well, I fucking care, mate. I said, and you'll not be touching my body. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, you've not even got the courtesy to look at me and you don't even have the decency to ask what I do for a living. I said, my wife is sitting there. I said, she's a bowing therapist. I said, then the bone practitioners talk about the fascia being the gateway to the soul. So you don't care what the MRI says, you're going to take that away. It's probably with the depth have to take my rectus dominus muscle away and my lymph nodes that are doing their point, their job of popping up and saying, hey, mate, something's not quite right here. You're going to take them away, put myself under unnecessary trauma just to get your markings at a safe distance, cause more traumatic memories at a cellular level so that when it comes back secondary, I don't have an early defense because you've took my lymph nodes away. I went, but you're the prince and I'm the pauper. I went, I don't think so, pal. Thank you. Have a good day. And I went to walk out and he said, I'll see you in three months when your juices don't work. And I never meant anything to me at the time. Oh. Right? I, I didn't know how <laughs> sinister the, the self-healing was or, or, or like people treated cancer, certain cancers with, um, with juicing or anything like that. And I, I got outside and I was shaking. One, because I was angry just a common courtesy i'm just thinking how dare you man like that, that was traumatic to go there mm. and it's not just me my wife was she was besides herself and um so an english lass sam and um she said darling like I, I i get it if they hadn't already been poking around you with the biopsy which is a fair size i would say go for it but like just just get it out and get it done and i i 
cried and I said, Sam, everything in me is telling me not to do this. Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. I said, three months ago, I spent six hours going down a rabbit hole on Facebook looking at the power of frankincense, specifically on cancer. And I'm thinking, you, you've got this to-do list that size. What are you doing looking at frankincense essential oils, man? Like, get to work. I said, everything's building me up to this point. I said, I have no clue what for, but I just know I haven't been given this for no reason and I haven't been given it to run away from it. And I just burst into tears. And I said, I can't do it. And she cried and she went, okay, I'll back you. Now, I don't proclaim anyone to be a healer, but at the same token, oxymoron is that I believe everyone is a self-healer. So, Everything, obviously, everything's subjective, and I don't want. I just wanted for more to kind of cover both of our backs here, but this goes out here. Like obviously, go and do what's right for you, and go and speak to a professional. But for me, as a, a Scottish Glaswegian boy from the street, I've had this prophetic, um, kind of clairvoyant, clairsentient voice my whole life, and I've ignored that, and I'm thinking. Anything physical, when cancer comes up there, it's really to break your black and white thinking. Like it's really trying to get your attention here. Like how long are you going to run around in this? This It's not working, mate. Slow down. What's happening? And there's deeper metaphysical reasons as to why it was on my solar plexus and my skin. And we'll, we'll leave that for another time. But <clears throat> I just knew at this point, I cannot ignore that inner voice, that inner guidance. I, I, ju- I just can't do it. So I, I, I changed, people say, what did you do? And I'm thinking, you'd be quick and ask me what I've never done. I did everything. I was, I was drinking frankincense like Actimel every day. Uh, I was taking exogenous ketones. And I had them sitting there from 2015 because of nutritional seminars and things that we had run in the gym. Um, and I remember actually Dr. Dominic D'Agostino on the Tim Ferriss podcast in like November, December, 2015. I remember listening to that for three hours as well, thinking, what am I doing? And he's one of the few people that actually had the courage to answer, what would you do if you had cancer? And he said, I would triple those exogenous ketones. I would go on an extremely low carb diet, if not no carbs at all. I would double my saunas every day. I would have this, that. And it was a very practical thing. He said, but obviously it's different for everyone. He said, but that's what I would do. And I was just, tip in my heart that he had the courage to answer it so I did that I, I was down in activated charcoal with zeolites and um, multiple th- like psyllium husk to, to pull things out I had like about four litres of thick activated charcoal to pull the adsorption out of the cells uh, I was kind of vegetarian ketogenic diet um, exogenous ketones getting in constantly essential oils I changed my physical uh, workout routine but it was like 20, 30 minute high intensity um, sprint work, basically just to kind of stab the, the um, cancer cells of like, oxygen to breathe and really kind of get that kind of anaerobic in there. Uh, obviously, there was no sugar going in because that's like an orgy for cancer cells. Mm-hmm. Um, chiropractic, two or three things. We took every kind of chemical based thing out the house, started making my own toothpaste. Uh, washed with a thing the ancient Egyptians used called guasha, which is just basically triple distilled vodka and uh, aluminium free bicarbonate soda into a paste and scrub that out. It was obviously your skin's your biggest organ. Um, multiple things. I did, I did everything. But the biggest thing was probably meditation. 
And the biggest thing was actually falling in love with life again. And it wasn't like fake it till you make it, but we used to do in the gym every Friday, we would do like a Friday film. So it was like Food Matters or um, Super Size Me, Super Juice Me, all these kind of things for, for our clients. And we'd make like, like goji coconut bliss balls and we'd kid on when we were at the movies. And we were talking and I was in the middle of saying, I don't have any data to prove to you guys what I'm about to say, but I think in the next three, four weeks, I'm going to show you that there's no cancer in my body. I, I don't have cancer anymore, is what I said. And then I just caught myself and I went, <laughs> why am I waiting four weeks to say that? I went, I'm sitting here in front of you just now telling you I don't have cancer. I need to stop saying I have cancer. I don't have cancer. There's no cancer in my body. And I smiled and I can feel myself going back here just now. I lumped my throat and I went, and I believed every word of it, truly. And I saw that and I held that vision dearly every single day. My wife couldn't handle not knowing anymore. So she booked a appointment with the doctor and like a thermograph as well, because she knew I wouldn't want to go for like a CAT scan or anything like that as well, because obviously there's more radiotherapy and things coming through. So we went and... Um, Obviously, I'm, I then started to doubt myself. I'm like, oh, shit, this is real. Because she just went, you're acting as if nothing happened. I can't handle this. We need to go and get this mm -hmm. tested. So 12 weeks later, after wanting to cut me all the way around there, you couldn't find any. None. So I don't say that to say, hey, look at me. I'm saying everything's different for everyone, but I can't. Like, the CBD oil was a big thing. Like my mate had um, his own supplement company. He had learned from David Wolf many years ago who ironically has been proven right this year for all the conspiracy stuff that he said for the last 10 years. <laughs> um, but he, <clears throat> medicinal cannabis is still illegal in Australia. So he had a few friends that he put me in touch with and we, we made it from the plant into an oil, into a little bit of tar that I could put on topically as well. And I was so sensitive to it because it was potent. It was the best of the best stuff. These supplements that I was having from him were just life-saving as well. Uh, shout out Damien Donoghue of Super Health Australia. He's honestly, what a brother he is. Love him. Love him to bits. And I remember freaking out last night and I was like, Damo, I was like, I, I he said, mate, there's hardly any milligrams in that. <laughs> he said, I want you to take more to get rid of this. I said, mate, I, I woke up like sleep apnea. They're like, <gasps> try to catch a breath. And I had, I had to walk outside and I was scared to put my feet on where the where the moon was hitting the roofs and casting shadows on the road. And I was going, oh, I was freaking out, man. And he was laughing at me because they all like to smoke. And I'm going, mate, this isn't for me. And he said, right, you're going to need to get um, vegan capsules, pop a bit in that and coconut oil and use it as a suppository. And I'm like, you're taking the piss. And he said, no, mate, he said, it still goes in, but you don't get the high. And I, and I could hear him laughing because he was obviously baked at the time. And I'm thinking, am I on candid camera here? About you? He said, no, he said, I, would, I wouldn't play with you. He said, honestly, brother, he said, that's, that's what you're going to need to do. So that's what I was doing. I was taking it as a suppository. So that was a big thing that I was doing as well. So I did everything. And 12 weeks later, they couldn't find it. And um, like, like it all, though, it's, it's the integration thereafter that becomes the thing. So that was the disease. So dis-ease is when we're not in flow. And as I said, my whole life was spent up. Sorry, that was a very in-depth story there, but to bring it back and answer your question, was it worth it? Yes, because 
it was designed by the divine to wake up my true immortal nature of my heart and get me back in unison with who I really am. So I was, that was 2016, so five years ago, I would have been 33. So I've had like 33 years in this lifetime of not trusting that voice. So the longer, like all diseases are lower in the frequency. So if we're living life in the bottom three energy centers or bottom chakras, we're living by the mechanics of stress. So the bottom chakra is all to do with security, food, shelter, clothes, money, etc. The sacral is all about our emotional center and creating life and digesting life as well. So about our sexual glands and food and everything like that. And then our solar plexus is like our free will and our action and how we turn up and move in the world. It's kind of the seat of the ego, if you like, how we how we move is how we want confidence. other people to see us. Yeah. So if I'm doing it from this pseudo confidence because I'm not being true to the voice, because remember the green one's acceptance. So I'm here, I'm in the yellow zone. I'm close. It's like close, but it's not right. So I'm not quite there because I was doing this as a people pleaser. And Mm. the the people please disease, I think is the biggest one. So that frequency, I wasn't in this authentic heart space. I had been chasing my whole life because of things that happened to me when I was younger I had been chasing popularity over purpose. I was giving up who I was to put on the mark. I, I was never mark. I was a mask. I was turning up. I was, and I would get rewarded from that from people in social circles. I had this group over here that I boxed with, these people that I played football with, these people that I DJed with, people I went to school with. And I tried to bring them all together because connections are high value. And people say, oh, you're like a social chameleon. Yeah, I am, but I had no idea who I was really. I existed to blend in with everyone else rather than just living my truth. Well, this is another buzzword like manifesting. What if it's not about manifesting? What if it's just about allowing? What if it's aligning? So when you're your true self, you don't need to be electric and, and constantly on the go. You become magnetic and things start to flow towards you. And that's been my lesson. I'm thinking, wow, like even just now, I'm getting kind of tingles talking about this again because. It doesn't have any, it doesn't have any power over me, but empowers within me. Because for years I would call it the man flu. I, I wouldn't call it cancer because I would scared that the word would trigger the cellular memory. Whereas now it's cancer. I had cancer. Don't anymore. Won't have That's it again. So powerful, Mark. That's so powerful. I mean, I, I obviously I've I've read a lot of books. Um, I know uh, cyber cybernetics, cyber cybernetics by Matthew Mortz, and mm. so many other books about um, the disease and and how we can, like, so many people have overcome. Um, you know, and, and obviously uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza overcoming obviously that horrific injury um, of his shattered vertebrae, but people have overcome it it's not woo woo but Mm. it's not also like you know steve jobs drinking these juices it didn't work for him so there is everything uh, from each end and everything in between but what's really powerful i think you you're making me my eyes well up when you're talking about some of that as well because of that sense of self and where you're coming from and and it's for it to have hit where it did like you Mm. say from that cellular level but into the chakras of the solar plexus so that really really did resonate with me and i obviously i could literally talk or i could listen to you for for forever because it's just so fascinating and everything that you you're you're talking about and weaving in is just so powerful um but i'm obviously conscious of your time Um, sorry can i can i just add something quickly to it because i don't i don't think i answered your first question so the 
you'd asked me how, the awareness, how do we locate that? So basically those first eight years of life, the, you form what's called your deepest dominant thought. That's buried in the subconscious. So like brushing your teeth, you don't even think about it. It's just completely autonomic. So when life, like the story I've just shared there, like disease shows up, or if it's continual toxic relationships or pain in the body that just won't go away, something by design is trying to poke you in the head going, hey, look at me. Listen to me. I'm trying to get your attention. You're not in alignment with true self. So for me, I think it, it typically starts as injury, then it goes to illness, and then if you're not listening, it goes to disease. And that was definitely what happened to me. So dis-ease just means not in flow. And all disease is a lowering of frequency. So when we can go back and look at the biology belief, that's another great book by Dr. Bruce Lipton. And you that see- That was my it, second book I read. <laughs> oh, so powerful. He's such a G as well. I love him. Yeah. Um, him and Dr. Joe together, you're just a mouthful. They were the two and, books and that Greg got, Braden. Me, got oh. me to where I am right now. If I hadn't Phenomenal. read those two books, I'd, yeah. So you need to go back and find what your deepest dominant thought is because there's a, um, not a theory, there's a, there's a principle in quantum physics called entanglement. Okay, so we're all connected through life moments and invisible energetic threads, right? And because time is a man-made construct, this idea of three-dimensional time, the time and space, like I'm here and I want to go there and I need to perform an action to collapse that space and there's going to be a change in time. But it's also vertical as well. This is the, the 5D that people are talking about just now, but everything is here and now. So you go, what time is it? Now. What time is it? Now. It's always now. Where are you? Here. You're always here and you're always now. So when you can go back and find the deepest dominant thought, and collapse the one-sided charge that you've got on that that's anchored in the subconscious, everything from this, it's like the popcorn effect, everything from that principle of entanglement, every life moment you've ever had, past, present, and future, ancestral lines before and those yet to come, equilibrates in the moment as well. And it's literally as if someone gives you a brand new set of eyes. Because if you're going your life that way, just seeing things that... Yeah, dad was an alcoholic and he used to beat me and he used to beat my mum and he was, I was an asshole and blah, blah, blah. But you're not there to the fullness of what else was going on because emotions will cloud truth, right? We only see things one-sided. It's got to be positive and then we find the negative or the negative, the positive. But so many people don't want to see the positive and the negative, but that defies physics. It's there. So we've got to look. We've got to collapse our conscious mind get beyond the analytical mind into the seat of the subconscious and collapse that wave. And in doing that, you'll have a tear of gratitude of, wow, everything is just, when I had it, I wanted to punch the guy in front of me. I wanted to cuddle him. I wanted to, I was laughing like a hyena. I was crying like a baby all at the same time, just because everything went white for like a split second, but it felt like time stood still. And I can talk around the moment, but it's something that's completely experiential. People need to, to get that. And when you clear that, everything shifts because your perspective, how you live your life is based on your perspective and your perspective is shaped by your experiences. So if it's experiences that happen when um, between zero and eight, now you might remember four, five, six, seven, eight, but what happened when you were two or three months old? Like when, when you're born, quick example, can you imagine, right, your eyes are shut, you're, you're getting fed everything from, from mum in the tummy. 
you don't need to do anything. You're peeing and pooping in there and you don't feel guilty about that and you're getting all these vital nutrients and you're getting your rubbing the belly and they're talking to you and telling you how much you love you for, for doing nothing. But we think we have, we're human doings. We're human beings. So just by being, you're getting this unconditional love. Can't wait to see you. So you imagine that embryo getting pushed out this narrow canal with blood going everywhere and then all these eyes that is a different energy because you don't know who they are. That's not the energy you're used to for the last nine months. No wonder the, you cry. <laughs> exactly. All these eyes looking at you with masks. Then they physically cut you, take you away from the safe place that you've been in for nine months. Now that baby can't articulate that, but that's abandonment. In that moment, they think, oh my God, look, mom's at, where's my mom? Where's my safe place? And as soon as they're back on the breast, mum and baby go, huh, because it's normal again. Now, the, the baby will never remember that, typically. But an energetic level, that's our first abandonment. That's our first traumatic experience. And it's our first experience as a human. That's why we, we want to get soothed straight away. So when you get people saying, oh, I don't have trauma, we all have trauma. Like asking your mum for um, like you cut the grass extra that week and she was meant to give you a pound and she never, that's traumatic. She made you a promise and she didn't deliver on it. So in that little moment, because you're subconscious, you don't have the analytical bridge formed yet to go, oh, mum's just forgot, she's busy. You think, I'm not worthy of that pound. Self-worth diminishes. Mum never kept her promise. I'm not worth mum keeping her promise for. And we start running a story. But because we can't, dissociate or differentiate from it, it gets locked and trapped in that moat, that sea of unworthiness in there. And then all this stuff and life moments and layers and different experiences land on top of it that we can't even get through. So when we go through there and equilibrate that, everything changes. So that that's how we do it. That's I do it with my clients through a thing called the conscious collapse process. Then we've got deeper things, which is the core wounds that you turn up with from past karmic lives as well so yes yeah, it's, it's joyful being a human it never stops but the <laughs> the the quick one i was what to say there was the the triangle of the the holy trinity of wellness i call it at the top of the triangle self-care so if we look after ourselves <clears throat> every day the highest example of of what we know um then typically you'll be okay if things go wrong and the something's not quite right this is where inverted commas, alternative medicines come in, where you've got your herbs, your spices, your essential oils, your supplementation, things like that, ancient practices, even things like breathwork is a big thing that I use for my clients. Um, that would come in here. But I remember the kind of wellness warriors that used to come to my, my talks and things. And they would go, yeah, like they were very anti the system. And I said, right, let's, let's just journey back a minute here. I went, Perth is get crazy drivers. So you imagine out there on the Quinana freeway doing 90 kilometers an hour and some crazy guy answers his phone, he's not paying attention and road ramps you and you go through the window at 90 kilometers an hour, you land 20 yards further down the street and your pancreas and your bladder and your spleen is across the road. Now, you're not going to sit up in lotus position holding an amethyst crystal and meditating that shit to come back into your body. You better be grateful that somebody spent seven years in medical school that's going to phone an ambulance to come and get you to put you back together again. I said, so this whole thing that it's us versus them is the reason why we're suffering. I saw it in the PT world. It was the yogics were against the martial artists because that was brutal. 
the martial artist were against the strength and conditioning. Strength and conditioning was against CrossFit. CrossFit was against F45. F45 was against corporate gyms. Yet we're, we're talking about health and wellness and community. We're all arguing with each other. It's like religion. I believe in God, but not your God. Like, that's the reason why we're all suffering. So we need to come back together. Everything has its place. So if you're lying there and you've got acute trauma, emergency, you better be grateful that we have got a medical system there that can help us with that. But in the day-to-day, if we're high-conscious beings, yeah, your self-care and the onset of, like, I haven't slept last night very well. I've got a scratchy throat because of it. I'm not going to go and take, I don't even know what medication people will take here, but I've gargled apple cider vinegar, lemon, cane pepper, and ginger. And it'll be gone. But if it yeah. kept, kept going and it was laryngitis or something, then I'd maybe need to go and see someone. You can't judge them. No, it's um, one of your other, uh, obviously, uh, influences of what uh, Dwayne Dyer. Um, mm. He was very much for that. Um, and it is about um, our body and trying to understand when it's running low immunity and what we can do better to shape it. Um, Basically, I mean, as I say, like, there's so many mind bombs that you're sharing there. Sorry, um, Natasha, so I got, I'm <laughs> very passionate about this stuff. I go off on a tangent. I'm happy so, to go um, for another another 50 minutes or so. I'm, I'm fine. My, cool, point, cool. my appointment so can I wait. What up um, to ask one of the questions? Um, so with everything that you know now, yeah. um, or, or what's one thing you wish you had known when you begun your career that you know now? Like, mm. what's What's that? shift or what's that helped i mean obviously it is uh, from from a knowing point of view and you, yeah you're blowing my mind because it's just like whew. there's a lot there's a lot Great to take, take away from everything you were saying here um trust yourself trust yourself so I think it's powerful from what I'm hearing from, from people is that you like, we, as you said, we are enough, but we, we, mm. we walk around feeling like we're not. And, yep. and, and I love that one as well, where they say, don't care what anyone else thinks of you. It's none of your business, Yeah. <laughs> but it's not an easy one to shake. And like you say, no. you've really got, that's like you said, body and mind, you have to have that physical connection that reality and obviously when we uh, had that uh, moment of of the talking um and framing something actually it's the words are powerful but like you say f- to get it from a bodily uh, perspective to to get that feeling um and i feel like i've i've hit on that on occasions but don't think i'm personally there yet. i think there's more either teachings, learnings or discoveries mm. or digging that I've certainly got to do. But at least I know yeah. one thing's for sure. I'm aware. Yeah. And, and oh, you're, like you're so aware. Your awareness is beautiful. Of, of knowing um, and, and wanting to sort it, but like actually getting that final part. So getting that's, that's a beautiful that. thing, Natasha. I mean, it's Hippocrates, who was the kind of father of, of ancient healing. All disease exists in the gut. Let food be thy medicine, medicine be thy food, is what he said. He also said that when about to work, when man comes to you to to heal, ask him first if he's willing to give up that which made him sick. And a lot of people aren't. It takes, I would say, in a way, it's 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 scary, and it takes mm. because 
to open up on yourself that that's you're you're making yourself completely vulnerable and yeah. and sometimes from from what i've heard from people sometimes the, the trauma is almost too big to bear um but we're not going to learn until we go in deep so it's always looking for that external gratification when actually it's internal yeah. reflection that we actually are seeing or searching um but like you say it's about us being wanting to be connected but i think you hit on that other level of um from what level that's coming from um of acceptance or or sharing but being at peace and and i think when you value and, and you hit on that as well about value and that's a big one like because it's it's not an easy one to to put um, a figure on your head or a, but I think it evolves because obviously as you learn and you grow and change your value yeah. metrics will probably evolve yeah. and change so you, you know obviously if you start off as a personal trainer first and foremost yes like you everyone trains everyone because they don't really know until they've done a bit of all of it they don't know who their niche is yeah. and who who is your target market and like you say about. 80 odd percent of them failing after the you know the first uh, uh two years and i and i feel quite proud of myself that i have gone past the year mark and i'm yeah. still here <clears throat> despite obviously the changing situations and scenarios but you evolve and and it becomes i mean i've wanted to throw in the towel you know oh my god hundreds of times you know in this this journey of of obviously wanting to help others and and that but something pulls me back and through every point of the the deepest darkest moment an idea comes and it's that's where then that next bit of growth comes but it comes from desperation i've been in tears and i've wanted to like my husband said well, why were you crying i just feel like i'm not doing very well and then something will happen but it has to come from almost that pain point to then yeah. that next acceleration and then it goes back down again and it's that up down it's this is it's exhausting <laughs> but yeah that's it's so beautiful that you're saying that and it's important for your listeners to hear it because we we think that this elusive nature of balance is a straight line. That's death. <laughs> Beep. That's checkout yeah. time. It's the highs and the lows that keep us alive. So every time we have a breakdown, it's the catalyst for a breakthrough to go to the next level. So it's kind of like that business chart. So you'll go up, we'll go down, we'll plateau a little bit, but we'll rise again. And that's, that's the key. It's every time we go down and go, ask yourself better quality questions. How is this serving me? What's it teaching me? What's the lesson? What's the blessing? How's this expansive across the seven areas of my life? I believe there's seven, spirituality and nature, mental and emotional literacy, physical health and well-being, um, family and relationships, sexuality and intimacy, social influence and play, and career and finances. Ironically, the seven areas we don't get taught at school. So I believe that's the seven areas of life that we're here to master. So when you, you'll see things once through one lens, and you may label that as a negative, when you can see how it's positively impacting something else, we come back into that uh, singular state. We're no longer dual. So everything in 3D reality happens in duality, but everything in love happens in one. So you need to bring it back into oneness. But wow. the, reason, the reason why people don't really take the, the chance and go for that is because the biggest fear for people is the fear of the unknown. So that even though the, the partner's abusive, at least they know what to expect. So they can kind yeah. of half prepare for it. Even though I'm going to eat this cookie because it's my cheat day, 
I know I'm going to tan the whole box and then I'm going to shame and guilt and beat myself up. But at least I know what I'm going to get. It's familiar. So when these, it's when the body becomes the mind, you're never going to change. You're never going to transform your life. You need to think greater than how you're currently feeling for transformation to occur. Uh, that, that is so powerful. And, and the I, deepest I dominant it, thought is the key to all of that because you will never I, think greater than, than finding that, thinking, holy shit, accepting that, integrating that. And in the moment, you realize that nothing is missing. Everything changes. You're making me like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, will we record a podcast or you actually give me a personal one-to-one -one session? Because I feel like I've taken away so much value here and just thinking, you got, you got me a bit emotional earlier when you were speaking about the stuff as well. Because I, can, I feel like what you're saying, I'm like counting it about myself and, and and it's almost like it's like you're hitting a nerve and you know because then it well let's let, let's say um, so this is the universal laws this is what we're all here for this is here's the law of reciprocity what you give out you get back so you've been good enough to ask me for this so let me repay the favor let's get a call booked in for next week and i'll ask you a series of questions and, and i'll find your deepest dominant thought in 20 minutes i'm not saying we'll shift it and get through it but at least you'll know what it is and then um, you can uh, thank you very then much. You can go I'll, from there. I'll probably need to have a box of tissues because I'll probably be in tears <laughs> within two minutes. Oh, okay, that's good. That's healing. <laughs> that's healing. <laughs> so let's let's um there's uh, obviously uh, we're gonna go into the quick fire round, but um obviously there's so much information that you've given there. But if you were to have switched places with me, what would mm. you have asked yourself that I haven't? <sighs> and you have to keep this one short. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I just your appointment. I love this. I love this. <laughs> Um, what I would that what would have asked me? Uh, right. So, if perspective was everything, it would be how how do I change my perspective? Which is find your deepest dominant thought and neutralize the challenge around that. That's the first step. So, for me, there's there's four P's to life, right? So, once you shifted your perspective, right, that's a that's hyper awareness. How do we then accept it? The acceptance then is applying it in everyday life. And that's when most people will get it wrong. They'll go to one-off seminars and go, right, that's me, I'm fixed. Ta-da! No, you need to implement it. Um, <laughs> the British roads would be even crazier if all we needed to do was set a theory test. We need to be practical as well. So you need to take the knowledge and, and immerse it with experience. So when we've experienced something over and over and over again, it becomes hardwired. Okay, we think the same, the brain produces chemicals, we have a hormonal response in the body, we feel a certain way, and that feeling causes us to then act, or the, the thought has us to act a certain way, and then we have a feeling, and then based if it's good or bad, we then have a thought that's correlative to that, and round and round and round we go. So we need to interrupt the thought patterns is the first thing, and we need to change the experiences. So once you've, you've had the, the shift in perspective, we need to apply that. What typically happens for people when this, when they realize that, that nothing is missing and all they've ever been is loved and love and loving, people start to get great epiphanies around their purpose. So people confuse their purpose with their career. It's the vehicle for your purpose. I always say when you make play your purpose, performance becomes your product. So when you're living your values, the thing that make you, you, you don't want to do anything else. You're just turning up as you are and things gravitate towards you. It's like God saying, hey, well done for being you, which is the true demonstration of acceptance. Here's more blessings. Keep doing that. So 
we need to be embodied in our child. We need to be more playful. So that would be my question, right? We've got the perspective. How do we make that practical? So there's a whole heap of steps to do that. There's basically eight steps for me. The first thing is we need to make you safe because the body-mind passed here, the, the, the kind of stem of the nervous system come past the brain and into the body. If you don't feel safe to try something, the body's going to reject it. So that's why we're scared of the unknown so much because there's nothing in the file facts to compare it to. So the brain's job to keep us safe will go, oh, this could be a threat. Let's just pretend it is. Reject, which it may be winning the Euro millions. You've never done it before, but it might just abandon it because you don't know what it's like. You're not worthy of that. No, no, no. Keep that there. You, you win a lucky dip. You're not winning seven, seven <laughs> stay in the Stay in the 10, 10 bucks range. That's you. You feel comfortable there. And, and that's what happens at a completely subatomic subconscious level. We, we kind of bury that. So we, we need to get beyond that. We need to feel safe first and foremost. Then we, we, we shift our perspective and we heal the inner child. All right. Then you want to optimize the physical body because latest kind of trauma research shows that there's more, the, the trauma nerve in the body is the vagus nerve, which runs from the gut all the way up. And there's 10 times more traffic going from the body to the brain than there is the brain to the body. Yet everyone is talking about mental health. So actually it would make more sense to bulletproof the house that we live in, especially if that's where we want to feel more safe, which is our base chakra. So if we don't have the solid foundations feeling safe, we're never going to build on top of it. Everything's just going to collapse. So we optimize the physical body. And then we look at regulating our emotions and looking at our attachment styles and our learning styles and our love languages and our value systems and how we relate with each other. Then from when you nail your value systems, you have a vision for your life and we build out what's called your core calling declaration, which is your purpose. That's your creed for life. And that should awake real, oh my God. And, and you, can have, you can make your Hollywood movie of your life, of your life and you get excited. Wow, this is what I'm here to do because your greatest pain is your biggest purpose. Because you will typically not want another person to feel how you felt. But once you equilibrate it and neutralize it and realize that nothing's missing, you can go, hey, I can help this person dissolve their suffering quicker by showing them what happened to me. So I'm not going to take their pain away because I know they're going to get something from it, but I'm going to show them how to transmute it so they can see the gift of their pain and hold space for them. So then when we do that and we've got this vision for life, then we just need to really own the shadow self because this sounds all smoke and mirrors. So there's obviously going to be life tests because you've spent 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years cultivating this habitual body of not enoughness. But all of a sudden you've read the biology belief and that's it. I've changed everything. The body's going to go, well, cool story, mate. No, you've not. Look, we have been conditioned to this. So this is when all the shadow aspects come up and that's when we really need to that, that's the most horrific. That's when we encounter things like the dark night of the soul. So that that's, I would ask me, how do I make it practical? And that would be my answer. That's the roadmap. God, yeah. I mean, there's, oh. And saying all that, <laughs> now, now, now we know why people don't want to touch it. Because <laughs> well, it can yeah, be too much. Um, because, yeah, because it's, it's, it's power. Yeah, and, and I think some people just think, oh my God, I think I'll just stick where where. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then the, the, I put in um, a quote in uh, my podcast, you know, about don't call uh, 
what was it, 75 uh, years of, of movement, or uh, call it a life, I can't remember, uh, Robin Sharma, and I've forgotten the quote, mm. but, it, you know, existing is one thing, living is something different, and, yeah. and actually we've got to embrace the fear to to unlock the purpose but that's that's amazing because i know it's the get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's where the true growth is um but it is it is scary to to actually own up and 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 i think a lot of us like you said we we're running subconsciously we're not even being present we're not even thinking about it we're just existing because i know for a fact that i never asked myself that questions until more recently i wasn't I, I was looking myself in the mirror and asking these questions of myself yep. and as you said before it's when when the pain threshold becomes too much that you've had enough yep. it's only at that point then you say that you're you're pushed to change so again yep. from a weight loss perspective when it when you've just had enough otherwise you're you'll suffer it you'll suffer it you'll <laughs> suffer it and i think Mine was like, you know, uh, loads of fear, loads of fear of not good enough, loads of fear of, um, you know, imposter syndrome and value and they're things to work on. And I'm, I'm being quite honest about this, but that's the whole reason that I came into this profession to then hopefully help someone by either showing them, empowering them, motivating them, inspiring them to say that I, I'm learning and if there's anything that you can take away from what i've done like this podcast obviously having you on and, and the amazing content you've given so that someone can actually go oh my god and if they start working on it and they're in their 30s well then they've done it 15 18 years sooner yeah. than me um and then they can live an abundant life and when we say abundant it's not all kooky shit it just means <laughs> of happiness and yeah. and wellness and fulfilling their why we're here Yep. that purpose as you said so um absolutely great thank you for that i'm going to move into the quick fire round though yeah obviously um now you, you have to give <laughs> an either or, uh, or or a very quick answer what the first thing that comes in you are time <laughs> okay so, so so on a the leaderboard um no pressure that but um there, there's quite a fast time in there so okay. i'm going to say them as quick as i possibly can and if you can give me your answer i'm going to set the timer now mark off you go fly or sail fly beer or water water ice cream or chocolate chocolate cardio or weights weights favorite color green food can't stand Ooh, anything processed best friend myself podcast or music music favorite band oasis ah, least favorite body part nose be invisible or be able to fly fly last famous person you met names drops natasha last Evans. famous <laughs> biggest achievement <laughs> Love and self. Useless talent. Oh, fuck. Oh, that's throwing me. I was doing well. Useless talent. Um, I can burp the alphabet. <laughs> and be remembered for. Hopefully not that. <laughs> um, leaving a legacy for humanity and how to self-heal and reconnect with our loved ones. Well done. <laughs> Shit, that question threw me, man. <laughs> See that you're going so well. Uh, you got a really good they score good. there, Mark. 
It's uh, one minute and nine spot six seven. So I don't think you're top, but I do think you're up the top end. So so you're certainly up there. Mm. But yeah, it's it's there's like there's always one question that sort of catches (laughs) someone. Just quite funny, depending on which one it was. But um, yeah, famous person. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, So out of your contacts, who would you be happy to introduce this podcast to with a view of them potentially being a guest of mine? Obviously, you know the format now. Um, Obviously, you haven't got to mention any names, but is there someone that you have in mind that you think, yes, that would be a perfect fit? There's a few, actually. I'm blessed to have so many amazing people in here, but... um, He's so sought after, but my brother, uh, Stephanos Stefandos, he's, um, he's Australian, Greek, Italian-Australian, <laughs> born in Australia, but Greek heritage, but now lives in Austin, Texas with his wife, Christine Hassler. Two of them are very big and friends with like Jesse Elder, Preston Smiles, Alexi Panos, they're all good friends. So I was um, I was part of Steph's wedding in 2019, but he is an absolute, for me, he's probably the most senior authority in masculine, feminine energetics and relate, conscious relating. He is the man. Yeah. Now you're making me feel really intimidated again. He's like, oh my God. Um, but yes, I've obviously... Uh, as you said, he is probably super busy, but um, I would love any connection with one of your network in that respect, because I absolutely love talking about this topic and I would love to hear more and learn more. So, um, yeah, my spiritual teacher way. as well. Uh, she's based in Bali, Fida, Fida Fadel. She's all about the non-dual pro- approach. She's very high level consciousness, though, but it's all about getting beyond this illusion of what we see as the matter material world but she's very cool we'll we'll talk off air then with regards to that and um so mark where can people find you mostly instagram probably these days um i just find that a little bit more personal than than facebook trusted so t-r-y-s-t-e-d trusted soul healing um same on facebook um, but I just feel Instagram's a little bit more user-friendly. And in the bio, there's some some free stuff in there that you can connect with. Um, or if anyone's want to schedule a call, if anyone's thinking, like, how do I find this deepest dominant thought? Obviously, we'll, we, we need to look after the first lady first, Natasha, so we'll book you in, but... I can, well, we're um, going to do a competition, aren't we? So yeah. we're going to let them um, win win something if they leave a five star review yes. on the iTunes, um, and then obviously yeah, that'll connected. be that get, can be my gift then. Yeah, I'm cool, happy to do that. Awesome. And so, Mark, out of ten, with one being pants and ten being perfectly splendid, how would you rate this episode? Ten. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I just um. I'd give my performance maybe a seven or eight because I'm very passionate about this stuff and there's so much I could say, um, but I need to learn to shut up, to be honest. Oh, no, um, I'd love, love hearing. I'd love hearing it because it, there's just so much. I feel like there's, the, you know, I'm learning and growing every day, but I, I have sometimes an inability to retain like the key facts or or statistics. And I love it when when there's there's those presented or the quotes or the, because mm. I'll be like, yeah, I know a bit, oh, but I've forgotten the, oh, I know a bit, but I've forgotten the. <laughs> so it's lovely to hear you say all of it um, and, and go deep level because I, 
lovely. It was it was absolutely amazing. So thank you. Um, and I just obviously, as you said, like a lot of your um, uh, mentors and and people that you've worked with or been inspired by. Um, I'll leave it with a quote of Wayne Dwyer: "When you change the way you look at things, mm. the things you look at change." Thank you so much, Mark, for being on this you. podcast. Um, I've absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. It's absolutely blown me away. Thank you so much. Thank you, Natasha. God bless you. Oh, my. What an episode. That was full packed with content and a lot longer than the usual episodes. But so many gold nuggets dropped there by Mark. I will definitely be replaying that and listening to that again to absorb, digest and take value from it. So if you found that you really enjoyed the episode as well, then you're in for a treat because we have another competition. And for the prize this time, uh, Mark is offering a free coaching call. As you know, he is a business mentor, health coach, and energy healer who connects families to themselves and each other so that they can live a life of freedom, deep connection, and ultimate fulfillment. So if you feel that you're a little bit stuck in one area of your life, then absolutely enter this competition because Mark, in that call, will provide you some clarity. So how can you enter? Well, if you thought this episode was five stars, then head over to iTunes and go and leave a five star review. Obviously, only if you thought it was five stars um, and write what you enjoyed most about the episode. Remember to snap a picture of that and then head over to your Instagram and go and post it in your stories. Remembering to copy both myself, the Planted Mindset podcast and Mark uh, Tristed Soul Healing in on that post so that we are tagged so that we can see that you've entered the competition. The competition will be a uh, winner will be picked at random uh, a week after the episode is aired and the episodes are broadcast on a Monday. So if you enjoyed it, why not share the love and actually post it on your social media to friends and family who you think that they'd take great value from this because it is the butterfly effect um it's not about just absorbing knowledge and information for ourselves it's, it's about sharing it and helping one another and that would be a fantastic good deed that you'd be doing for someone else um because you know coming and listening to that podcast may absolutely change you know obviously their mindset and certainly maybe change their day in how they feel. So remember, go and snap that picture if you want to be in with a chance of winning. We need to see that picture on the stories, tagging us both in the Planted Mindset podcast and the Trusted Soul Healing. And you will be notified if you're one of the lucky winners um, posted on the Planted Mindset podcast Instagram account. Until next time, have a great week. <laughs>